If I'm being honest, the past couple weeks of my life have been pretty difficult. October has been a very crazy month and I've just been experiencing a lot of heavy emotions and I've been hitting a lot of mental walls with my work. I've been trying to figure out who I am, which sounds very dramatic, but I feel as though I've been pulled in a lot of different directions recently. Friendship-wise, I don't know. I, I feel kind of strange in, in a lot of my friendships right now. And it's nothing on them. It's it's entirely it's entirely me. I've just been feeling a little complacent with life recently. As in, I wake up and I, I do what I need to do, but I, I do kind of the bare minimum. I don't really I don't really go above and beyond what I set out for myself. I've been very burnt out with work. I have, you know, been experiencing a lot of new emotions that have resurfaced due to a lot of reasons and have been forced to revisit a lot of old emotions and memories. And as a result, I feel, I feel no, I don't feel very grounded right now. And I wanted to make an entire episode about like losing and finding myself. And I've decided that I'm going to make that my next episode because my next episode will be episode 100. And I feel like I need to have some sort of dramatic title and topic for that episode. So I'm going to be talking more about this little funk that I've been in in the next episode. But for today, I, I was doing some reflecting and I realized that a lot of my funk right now can be attributed to this idea of disappointment, failure, and rejection. College has taught me a lot. Of, it, it's taught me a lot of skills. And I think the one thing that I have really, really worked on over the past three years and going into my fourth year is how to properly deal with rejection and to handle the emotion of disappointment and how to carry on with life when you fail. To be very honest, as a kid and throughout elementary, middle, and high school, I was just, I was so used to excelling in relation to the standards that I set for myself. Like I would baseline set very high standards for myself, but I was so used to just going beyond that. For example, I, you know, would tell myself that I wanted to stick to this specific study schedule. And mind you, the schedule in itself is pretty ambitious. But I I would I would force myself to be ahead of that schedule and to do more each day. And I kind of trained myself to learn that if I if I didn't if I wasn't ahead of this already ambitious schedule, then I was failing. Right? And I you know, it worked and I was very hardworking in high school and I I would say I was, you know, I was fine, <laughs> but I think throughout that process of setting high standards for myself and then always achieving and excelling them, I slowly started to build this schema and this tendency to view failure as the worst possible thing that I could ever do. Like if I ruined this, you know, perfect image and 
behavior that I had carried for so long, then who was I as a person? What was my identity? When I got to college, life happens. You know, you go through, you you get into your first serious relationship and that throws off your life balance. You are in harder classes and and suddenly your life and your work are super integrated and it's it's really hard to focus in college. And also in college, you're figuring out who you are. You're going through a lot of identity crises. I mean, in college, you're I I was 18 going in. I'm 22 now. And in these four years, I feel like a completely different person. And navigating responsibilities while also changing as a person and going through all these changes is super hard. So naturally, I got to college and I experienced a lot of failure and a lot of rejection and a lot of disappointment. And it was all very new to me. Because for the last 18 years before getting to college, I just, I've, I've, you know, really villainized rejection and I saw it as, as the worst, the worst possible outcome. And I did not know how to handle it. Any possibility of failing sent me into a spiral and that's very unhealthy. And I kind of recognized it, but I didn't really allow myself to acknowledge it. So when I got to college, I started, you know, getting rejected from clubs and social organizations and internships and summer opportunities and people. I mean, getting rejected by people is honestly, I feel like hurts the most. Um, And, you know, I failed things. I, I didn't do as well academically in some areas as I wished I had. But again, you know, baseline already having such high standards for myself and and as a kid, like learning that perfection is something I should strive for taught me that any anything less than perfect is a reflection of my character and it's a negative reflection of my character. And I found that throughout college, I still sometimes go back to these tendencies. For example, last semester, I talk about my junior spring all the time because my junior spring was was a blur and it was kind of an anomaly. Like I I really I was going through a lot and I I took it all out on my studies. And you know, I was very fueled by myself telling I was fueled by me telling myself that I could handle a lot. And I would tell myself, you know, you can put all this stuff on your plate because you can and you should be able to do it. And the thing is, is that semester I could do it, right? Like I was burned out at the very end and I'm still burned out from it. But I finished that semester successfully and I did everything. I mean, at what cost? That's a whole other conversation. But I did it, right? And that semester, I I like to say it was almost dangerous because it almost taught me that I, I could push myself a lot. And fast forward to now, I'm, I, I tried at the beginning of the semester to do the same amount of things and I quickly realized that I couldn't do it and I failed, right? And and I think this idea of failed is really, this, this word failure is interesting because did I really fail? Not really, but in my eyes, I failed to do the same amount of things and, and dedicate 
the same amount of time and energy as I could last semester. And ultimately, I could not do it. And I think in the past couple of weeks, a lot of my my mental sort of struggles and and a lot of the reason why I've been feeling just very complacent and not grounded is I've realized that at this period of my life, I'm not necessarily excelling or achieving the goals that I've set for myself. And in my eyes, that's, that's a form of failing. I've also been experiencing a lot of disappointment with things and disappointment in myself, disappointment in other people to an extent. So, you know, I've, I've had <laughs> over the past couple of weeks a lot of time to think and reflect on what it means to fail, this idea of rejection, and how I want to reshape my thinking in regards to these things. Because I reached a point where I was like, I don't want to keep having this negative relationship with with failure. And obviously, I want to push myself and I want to see what I can achieve. But I don't want to ever live life in a way that's, you know, I don't want to not live life to the fullest extent just because I'm afraid of failing. So today I'm going to be talking about all the different thoughts that I have about failure because it's a heavy topic, but I think it's it's very applicable to a lot of different people. The first thing I've realized is that my natural instinct is to pretend like I'm not affected by a failure. And my my natural instinct is to almost cover up my mistake or my failure. And over the past 22 years of my life, that's that's just what I've learned to do. Like I find myself, for example, I started working at this clinical research internship and it's been a great experience and I've learned a lot, but obviously with any new position, there's things to learn, right? And it's natural to ask a lot of questions and to mess up at something that's new. Anyway, I remember very clearly during my first week, I messed something up and my initial instinct was to ask myself, how can I cover this up? How can I avoid telling this to my to my mentor? How can I, you know, carry on in a way that doesn't make it seem like I made a mistake? And then I realized, why am I, why is this my instinct? Like, I messed up. I should ask my mentor. I should let them know. And then I should ask them, you know, what went wrong? And I should learn from that, right? Like, that is the healthy way of, of handling a mistake. And yet, my my immediate response was I was so ashamed of this small mistake and I, I didn't want my mentor to know that I made this mistake. And I used to do this in high school too. Like if something ever went wrong with an experiment or if I didn't understand anything, like I, I would I wouldn't be very honest about that because in my eyes, like that was a sign of weakness and that was a failure. And I didn't want to admit that I had failed or made a mistake because I wanted to seem like I had it together and I wanted to seem like I knew everything. And I find these tendencies and behaviors to still follow me to this very day. So I've been wondering, you know, like why is my natural instinct to pretend like I don't care? And I can also apply this to the idea of being rejected by people. And I did a whole episode on, you know, stop playing it cool, stop pretending like you don't care. 
And ever since I've done that episode, I've thought a lot about how when we're rejected by people and when relationships don't work out, sometimes our response is to pretend like we're not affected and to pretend like we don't care if we were rejected by a person because we don't want it to seem as though you know, our ego is bruised in any way. And I really think this is a pride thing. And I'm going to talk about pride later. But bottom line with this first point is that I, I honestly, in the past and still now sometimes, tend to try to cover up when I fail. And I think that that's, that can get pretty dangerous, right? Like, the stakes aren't as high right now. But in the future, the stakes could be very high. And if I am not honest about when I mess up, where could that lead me? You know, what could the consequences be? So I recognize that this is not a super healthy behavior and I want to change it, right? And I think recognizing it is the first step. And honestly, I've come pretty far. I'm more honest about when I mess up. But at the same time, it is still something that I have been doing for my whole life. And I want to learn how to be more open about when I fail and mess up. The next thing that I have thought about is that in this process of trying to cover up my failures and disappointment, I have also learned how to bottle up my emotions. And this is a big thing. I think... I'm a very emotional person. However, sometimes when I am embarrassed or when I feel shame, I I tend to hide these these emotions. But shame and embarrassment are very important and they make us human, right? Like they're very complex and everyone feels them. But in my experience, the people who are regarded as, you know, who are the most respected, who are seen as the most cool, are often the people who seem the most unbothered and the people who don't feel shame or embarrassment when they make a mistake or when they're rejected. And yet, I honestly question if these people actually don't feel shame or embarrassment at all because that would be insane. But I, I mean, I feel shame and embarrassment all the time. And I think learning that these are okay emotions to express has been something that I've been trying to do ever since getting to college and experiencing failure, rejection, and disappointment to a greater extent. I think kids should really be taught how to embrace and feel these emotions. Like rather than being punished for mistakes and being told and, 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 by association equating shame and embarrassment with being punished, I think they should be taught that mistakes are okay. And, you know, that that feeling of, of embarrassment is important. It's important to reflect on. Like, I think as a kid, I, I almost sort of learned that making a mistake always, like, came with this second part of being punished for it. And, I think a lot of it was mental and like I, I definitely learned this by myself, but a lot of it was also the environment I was in and the way I was raised. I was constantly, you know, 
a lot of high expectations were being put on me. And because of that, I developed this really sort of unhealthy relationship with failing. And I work with kids a lot. I interact with kindergartners um, and also um, pediatric patients. And one thing that I really have become very observant about is how these children respond to failure. Like, for example, when I'm helping out a student with their homework, when they don't understand something, some kids I just see shut down, while other kids tend to, they they seem to not take it as personally and they seem to be less affected by failure. And it really makes me wonder, like, what are we teaching these children? Like, why do some kids respond to failure so much better? And what can we do to ensure that children don't grow up learning that failure is bad? Because it's not bad, right? So that's another thing I've been thinking about. And which kind of leads into my next point about pride. And one thing I've realized is that pride is a very powerful feeling and it can damage a lot of relationships and opportunities for growth. For example, being too proud to learn from your mistakes or to accept failure. Being too proud to be honest and vulnerable. Being too proud to realize that you yourself might be the problem. Being too proud to coming to terms with the fact that something needs to change. This hurts you, but it also ends up hurting other people. And I have been in circumstances where I have been the one who has been too proud to accept my mistake, and that has led to negative consequences. But I have also been the subject of people being too proud to apologize or to accept that they have made a mistake. And the hurt and resentment that comes from all this is is so complex. Like, it's really hard to put into words the sort of emotion that you feel when you know that you've messed up, right? But you don't want to admit it. Or being on the other side of that and, and being in a relationship or a friendship with someone who clearly is blind to the mistakes that they've made. And I don't think there's a single person who has exclusively exclusively been on one side each time like everyone everyone has been a victim of pride whether it's their pride or someone else's pride but pride really i mean i've never really i can't really think of an example in which pride is a helpful emotion like except for you know obviously being proud of a family member for something or like being proud of a friend I'm talking about pride in the form of like arrogance, right? Because I think a lot of arrogance also stems from this idea of not accepting the fact that you're not a perfect person all the time. It leads to being cocky and having a big ego and narcissism. And these, I can't really see an example in which these are helpful and positive for relationships. I have only experienced times in which pride in regards to not willing to accept your failure or your mistake and to own up to it has led to a damaged relationship and has hurt other people. 
the next point that I have about this topic is I realize that when I feel negatively about myself, rejections hurt more because I take them more personally. And this is why I think rejection and disappointment and all of these things is such a cycle because let's say you experience a big rejection. Maybe you don't get into the program that you want to get into for the summer. That can be a blow to the ego and then you feel bad about yourself. And then because you're already feeling badly about yourself, smaller rejections can hurt a little bit more. For example, let's say you were supposed to go on a date with someone and then they cancel. Like, I feel like if that event were to happen in an isolated in an isolated space, right? Like if that event were to happen in a vacuum, obviously you'd be sad, but I wouldn't like if this person has a legitimate excuse for canceling, I honestly feel like I personally would not take it as personally. But if that rejection happens, you know, in the context of other rejections happening and then you already feel badly about yourself, like that rejection will sting more. That failure will sting more. And then you show up to lab and your experiment fails. If that event were to happen in an isolated vacuum, I would like to think that I would be fine. However, when my experiment fails on a day where I'm already feeling badly about myself, that that one failure might be the worst thing in the world to me in that moment. And it's like, you know, I feel like this is something I talk with about my friends a lot. Like, if you are already having a bad day, small mishaps just feel worse because you take them more personally. And I think you can apply that to failure and disappointment. And the next point I have is we are honestly quicker to reassure other people's rejections and failures than our own. For example, like let's say your friend experienced, they got rejected from a job and you are reassuring them. I I can say that you you will probably say things like, it's not you know, it's not entirely in your control. There are so many factors that are out of your control and, you know, everything happens for a reason. And maybe this job just wasn't cut out for you. You know, maybe the person who was reviewing your application was having a bad day and, and maybe, you know, maybe it's just luck and you, you can't take it too personally, right? right? Like you need to move on and you need to pursue other options and, at the end of the day, like rejection is super important and failure is really important and it's going to be okay. Like these are kind of the types of things that you would be saying to your friend who got rejected from a job. However, if you yourself get rejected from that job, sometimes hearing those things doesn't help at all because you you refuse to accept it. Even though it's advice that you would give to a friend, it's not advice that you would take for yourself. And I have experienced this a lot. Like I have been in situations where I've been rejected from things and no matter what anyone says, I do not let myself feel good about the failure. Like I, I, I get really down on myself about it. However, if my friend were to be in the exact same situation, I would talk to them a lot nicer than I would talk to myself. And it really made me think about this idea of self-esteem and how we speak to ourselves. And I asked myself this question a lot, like when I find myself speaking negatively to myself, I asked myself, would I speak to a close friend or a loved one like this? Would I speak to my best friend like this? And the answer is 100% usually no. Like I would never speak to a close friend in the same way that I speak to myself sometimes. 
And yet we are our own worst critic and we get in the way of ourselves a lot. And I I think in the past couple of weeks, like I've been finding myself just speaking to, speaking to myself in such negative ways, in ways that I would never, ever speak to my friends on. And, and it's, yeah, it's, I say, it's this idea that we're just quicker to view failure positively when it's other people versus ourselves. My next point is that we avoid hard things out of a fear of rejection. You know, past experiences with failure have often made me pretty wary of putting myself out there because it makes sense. Like if you're used to getting rejected, sometimes it makes you just not even want to try. And I don't really know. I think it's one topic of conversation that I've been thinking about is this idea of being realistic and being pessimistic. Like sometimes the things we do apply for are very ambitious and we can't, you can't expect to just, you know, apply every time and see that as the solution. Like sometimes it really is a reflection on the sorts of standards that we're setting for ourselves and expectations. But at the same time, I think for so much of my life, sometimes there have been moments where I truly like could have applied to something or I could have put myself out there, but I just didn't because I was so scared of rejection because I have such a negative relationship with it. Which leads to my next point, which is that rejection therapy has become very important to me. And if you don't know what rejection therapy is, it's basically this term that actually became popular in TikTok. And it's this idea that you normalize disappointment and you become desensitized to the word no. And it it comes in the form of putting yourself in situations where you know you will likely fail, doing things that embarrass or scare you on purpose in order to help you learn to not take life as seriously. And I first, I was exposed to rejection therapy by one of my best friends from home. We were at a restaurant together And this friend decided to ask our waiter for their number because they just wanted to. And it's a silly example, but the way my friend described it was, you know, even though this is kind of an awkward situation and the chances of this person saying no are not zero, like they're pretty high. I want to put myself in the situation because I want to get used to the word no. And I I want to learn that being rejected is okay. And people get rejected all the time. It's a powerful tool to help you not take life so seriously. It's, It's learning how to put yourself out there in order to understand that, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Like life goes on, you will live, everything will be okay. And I was very inspired by this friend's act of rejection therapy. And I've I've been trying to apply it to my life now. I think I think it can be a little tricky because there's a difference between being okay with the word no and just being numb. Like this idea of desensitization. Yes, I want to desensitize myself to the word no, but I don't want to just lower my standards so much to the point where I accept failure all the time. Like I think acceptance can also be tricky because 
as I'm learning how to heal my relationship with failure, rejection, and disappointment, I want to I want to be okay with failing, but I also don't want to accept it as my default, if that makes any sense. And with disappointment and being disappointed in other people, I want to lower my expectations about other people so that I'm not disappointed, but I also don't want to lose faith in other people. Like I don't want to expect that people will disappoint me, right? Like that's to me that's a very negative way of looking on looking at life. And I've met people who that's truly their perspective. Like they say, you know, I don't expect much and I don't get disappointed much. But that also, I don't know, to me that that can be really negative and I don't want to just expect that people won't be there for me and I don't want to expect that I'm going to fail or that I'm going to get rejected. Like I still want to set standards for myself, but I think from now going forward, it's about how to lower those standards in a healthy way. Because, and this is my last point, failure can force us to reflect on the standards we're setting for ourselves. There's a really, really interesting study or article that was published by the Harvard Business Review. And it's this spectrum of reasons for failure. And I'm going to read out the categories of the spectrum because I think it's interesting. The The spectrum ranges from blameworthy to praiseworthy. And on the blame, going from blame to praise, these are the reasons for failure. Deviance, where an individual chooses to violate a prescribed process or practice. The next is inattention, where an individual inadvertently deviates from specifications. The next is a lack of ability, where an individual simply doesn't have the skills, conditions, or training to execute a job. The next is process inadequacy. A competent individual adheres to a prescribed but faulty or incomplete process. And now we're getting to the more praiseworthy reasons for failure. The next is task challenge. An individual faces a task too difficult to be executed reliably every time. Next is process complexity. A process composed of many elements breaks down when it encounters novel interactions. Next is uncertainty. A lack of clarity about future events causes people to take seemingly reasonable actions that produce undesired results. Next is hypothesis testing. An experiment conducted to prove that an idea or a design will succeed fails. And finally, which is the most praiseworthy reason for failure on the spectrum is exploratory testing. An experiment conducted to expand knowledge and investigate a possibility leads to an undesired result. One thing I was thinking about while I was looking at the spectrum is this idea of the locus of control, right? So it seems as though, according to this spectrum by the Harvard Business Review, more blameworthy reasons for failure are because of the person themselves, like deviance, inattention, lack of in- lack of ability, And then as we get down to the more praiseworthy side, it seems to be a more external reason, like the process or the task itself is unreasonable. The standards are unreasonable. Sometimes like you just fail because of life and that's that's not in your control. And I was thinking about, you know, like with the failures that I've had, where do they lie on the spectrum? I think it's also important to question the spectrum itself because obviously there's there's things that can't really be categorized on this spectrum. But I I kind of like the way that they laid out reasons for failure because it acknowledges that some failures are because, you know, maybe you just didn't 
apply yourself in the way that you could. Like you didn't try your best, but other failures are acknowledging that sometimes you can't try your best. Like sometimes the, per- the, the circumstances are laid out such that you really can't live up to these standards that you have for yourself. And I think a lot of my failures in the past have been more towards the latter side where I just, I push myself when I'm burnt out and I, I set unrealistic expectations for myself and then I fail, right? And I experience disappointment. But I think in college, I've experienced more of the other side where sometimes I have periods of life where I am just, I'm not pushing myself. I am, I'm being lazy. Like I actively know that I could be doing work, but I don't. And my classes suffer as a result. Like that is mostly on me. And I think that's a whole separate conversation. However, I bring up the spectrum to say that I think a lot of rejection and failure tends to be towards the praiseworthy side. In other words, failure is good and making mistakes is good because who's to say that failure is a reflection of your character? Like, I think, I think that we tend to forget that there are so many things that are out of our control and accepting that has taught me how to not take rejection as seriously. For example, the outcome of an application process it's not entirely because of you and your qualities. Like sometimes the person reviewing your application, again, might be having a bad day. Maybe your application just happens to land in the hands of someone who is a harsher judge. And sometimes, you know, you tend, you wind up in an applicant pool that works in your favor. Sometimes you wind up in an applicant pool that doesn't work in your favor. Like this is why I say failure and rejection are so they're so important to experience because they teach you that there's so much that you just don't know about a certain process. Like, for example, the college application process. There is so much that goes on beyond the scenes that we are unaware of. And as I'm getting ready to apply to medical school, I've I've tried to also carry this mindset over where I'm going to try my best. I'm going to be my authentic self and I'm going to put myself out there while also realizing that rejection and failure with this whole process is inevitable and that's okay. I hear this phrase a lot, rejection is redirection. And I think that's true. Like one door closes so that a million others can open up. And I look back on my life and I realize that things that I've failed at things that I have been disappointed in have been so important for my growth and they've taught me a lot. So in conclusion, making mistakes is good. And I think life is about this delicate balance of living life to your fullest and and being ambitious with yourself, but also knowing when to take a step back. And next week I'm going to talk about losing and finding myself because this past year I've really, I've lost myself a lot, but I've also learned how to rearrange my life and rearrange my thoughts in a way that puts myself first. Because honestly, putting yourself first is one of the most important things in life. And I think this failure episode is really just, 
it's almost like like I needed to talk about this first before I talked about losing and finding myself. That's all I have for today. I hope you guys enjoy this episode on failure and I really hope that some of it resonated with you. And yeah, I mean, I think life can be exhausting sometimes. College, oh my gosh, college is so exhausting and I have so much to say in my next episode. But I hope that this episode helped some of you and caused you to reflect on certain aspects of your life. So that's that's all I have for today. Um, as always, thank you for supporting me and for continuing to listen to Unfiltered. And I hope you continue to remain on this journey with me and stay tuned for my next episode.